0: Kicking it here in the Rumpus Room, along with the outside dogs. Uh, and let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day.
1: So I think the first few topics are all along the same theme, but it's really how to handle tough conversations. Mm-hmm. I've been having quite a few of them the last few weeks. And I've been trying to focus on a few, uh, I'd say tools in your, in your bag of tricks in these conversations. And I think the first one is listening And removing emotion Mm -hmm. so I have tried to um, so I've recently left my job and I'm starting a new frontier and a new organization and it is not the same business but it's fairly close so my previous the guy that I used to work for there's a little bit of animosity not a ton but he's been pretty there was a lot of threats at the beginning and a lot of really underhanded things that were going on. And throughout this whole experience, it helped me to really ground myself and to just listen to the situation and not respond emotionally. Um, Instead of coming back with any type of emotion, I would just listen, nod my head and say, um, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Mm. And I understand you feel that way. Mm. Instead of responding back with like an explanation, of um, this is why I'm doing it da, 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 and you're wrong I just would acknowledge and that's all I would do and I would not ever insert a, a explanation it just wasn't needed
0: mm-hmm. yeah then you uh, go down the road of like trapping yourself in the explanation mm-hmm. to justify your actions which you don't need you don't need to justify them you mm-hmm. don't owe anybody any ex- explanation no one of the tricks I really like to use is um, deliberately cultivating certain emotional states throughout the course of those difficult conversations. So that what that looks like is today having a conversation with a challenging coworker who I've just never really got along with, and. Um, we're talking about this business line that I've been kind of responsible for standing up and I've worked with this individual on business lines in the past where we just clash and I feel like everything dies and burns because we can't work together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I have a few people like that. Yeah. And uh, today this individual was expressing interest in jumping on the project and I was really adverse to that mm-hmm. and <laughs> to any sort of involvement and I just caught myself at the end of the discussion getting extremely defensive about our our next opportunity like with with our group and um, I, I didn't actually catch it until after the meeting and after the meeting I was like oh man you know, I did a 100% fantastic job with everything up until the last two sentences that came out of my mouth and I got emotional mm-hmm. and um, there's probably a path forward, there's probably a good way we should, you know, we, sh- we should do this. But uh, I, I just kind of regretted like myself getting in front of myself. Or getting out of control you know that one time where mm-hmm. like all of a sudden you lose your composure a bit and you make the statement where you're just like that's very true in reality and also it probably is not from like a super enlightened place completely agree
1: that emotional state you're more closer to your I'd say animalistic behavior where you're not thinking or even connecting to you know your greater understanding of the whole situation you're responding to like one stupid comment that you are sensitive to from you know your our whole programming that goes on on our minds throughout our entire lives uh so you really are acting small
0: or yeah for lack of a better word yeah yeah. you're you're like an inside dog mostly you're you're being an inside dog yeah An inside dog would lose his cool. An outside dog pretty much stays his cool. Uh, We'll hold our ground, but uh, keep our cool. They don't want emotion take over their, or let anybody else's emotion take over their their approach. There's a lot of city dogs that uh, are really challenged by this whole phenomena of being an inside versus outside dog because their capabilities to actually be outside dogs are pretty rare. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just don't get out a whole lot. So, of the dogs in your building, do you feel like they are majority inside dogs or outside dogs, or how can you tell? The majority of them are inside dogs. I'd say 98%. Well, and I feel like when you're in an apartment complex the dogs become so dependent on humans that it's ridiculous. Oh, they just stare up at you like, all right, it's your turn to take care of me and yeah. feed me and wipe and my butt, pick up my poop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's such the weirdest thing.
1: I know. If you were looking at it from like, uh, like here's you know, some alien that was watching a human walk around and pick up dog's poop. I wonder who they think is in
0: charge. Oh, they certainly would (laughs) think that dogs would be in charge. The dog typically walks in front of the human being. They're on a leash, but they're pulling the human. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're the dead weight. You're picking up their shit. They're barking, and then you're responding. You're on their schedule, basically. And then we make them sit and give them a treat and call that like asserting our dominance. The one thing that we do have over them is the feeding so mm-hmm. like food. yeah so that is that's is a big way that you have a lot of sway
1: yeah if you're if you're an inside dog and you want to become an outside
0: dog put put meat on the table and you'll have to deal with that uh, i do re- I, I do remember growing up when uh, our family dog was bad she would get like cuts in her rations for food which, oh yeah uh,
1: like she when she would heist a pizza from the top of a yeah, exactly. The counter. Well, no then all of a sudden it's no
0: food for the next few days. But that certainly teaches a lesson about like who's in control here, you know? Oh, for sure. Once you get back to down into the like bare
1: necessities, that's when you can really assert dominance. Like, hey, you're gonna have to poop in your crate now.
0: <laughs> Just little. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of control you can assert. Um, so, so, speak, so we were talking about tough conversations. What what sort of and tough conversations with significant others is specifically um, identified on here. So what, what's, uh, what's the genesis of that topic? Um, I think one of the hardest conversations you have to
1: have with your significant other is financial. Oh, certainly. So how certainly do you handle even like picking up the tab anywhere? Oh, yeah. Or like parties or paying for dates and mm. it's – GD expensive for everything that you do together. It's and extremely expensive. When you're used to a one-man show and then you go to a two, two-person 2 show, you feel it. Big so time. having that conversation and understanding expectations is extremely difficult, yet it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And if it's not done early on, it's going to be ugly. Mm-hmm. I also think this is an iterative process where you may handle a few things that are a little easier, but you need to kind of take all the information in. So I'm just thinking of the conversation we had, I don't know, months ago, where It was kind of like, you know, my view is the very, you know, at the beginning you establish the kind of provider, I will pick things up role. I just have thought that's pretty. Well, you know,
0: and we're old school like that. Yeah, it's a traditional yeah. approach. And so I. Whereas we have friends that are not old school like that. And not literally at literally Venmo each other after every meal.
1: Venmo each other after every meal, like split utilities at the house. like yeah, just, Yeah, just a different approach. Uh, there's different approaches you can take. Um, I am, what I have found is first off, being consistent is the easiest thing. Gotta be consistent. So being consistent and having the conversation is also <laughs> the most important thing because the more it just hangs out there in the balance, the worse it's gonna get. But I think one of the things that uh, is important is to, like I, we were talking about earlier, you have to listen and remove emotion because I think with finance, there people are raised from so many different backgrounds. So their families raise them differently where mm-hmm. maybe they're cheap as shit or maybe they like to buy one nice thing a week, or maybe they expect to, you know, they they want a number so they can hit their, you know, they can go and shop for things for a week and know what they, it, there's just so many different options out there mm-hmm. that you have to
0: have that conversation. And I can tell you it's really difficult and also really important. Well, I, I'll tell you the, the worst thing that happened, or not the worst thing, but a, a funny thing that happens is uh when i talk with my significant other about finances she always says god you're just like my dad which (laughs) i kind of chuckle about because you do sort of have the oedipus theory thing going on where like people are sort of attracted to you know kind of the thing that they know Mm -hmm. or their definition of a relationship which typically is based off of their parents but she complains quite a bit about you know oh my you know finances with my dad blah 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 and it's funny because we just have developed this a similar relationship and it's always it's obviously like you know she would like to spend more money and i wouldn't you know (laughs) so i mean there's natural not a whole lot of mystery on that one no Uh, i'm a am a conservative penny pinching person i mean in some regards and then in others i have my my moments of lavishness but uh Mm -hmm. No, you know, and so that's always such a huge, that's always such a huge conversation in our relationship and such a huge conversation for uh, the beginning and uh, middle, especially when you're like early 20s and really solidifying like what is the trajectory of the financial relationship? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, because it gets, it gets so much different if it's like well, we've established that we're going to have separate bank accounts and, you know, whatever. Or mm-hmm. we've established that we have one bank account and one primary breadwinner and the other is, you know, not as significant. So it is, and when, you know, you and I are in the middle of figuring out all of that stuff and communication has just got to be there. It's
1: mm-hmm. got you're, to be there. That
0: you're exactly right. The festering, the festering of, you know, like, uh, residual piece that's left over from the fact something you didn't say is is it ultimately going to bite you both so hard in the butt. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. It is, and <laughs> I just think that um, having the
1: confidence of engaging in a conversation takes a lot of work and a lot of courage and it will pay dividends down in the future
0: and keeping with this theme of tough conversations does this next topic about super bowl parties have anything to do with it or not necessarily what? No. no i just oh, want to just, talk about the super bowl okay let's talk about it it's pretty interesting phenomena well the the first off having
1: it in your city is exhausting it's extremely exhausting <laughs> just I I didn't even I don't even know what it was I was tired
0: as shit. I was so tired for the actual Super Bowl that I was just like I was a zombie. I was like when it was over I was like just get me home and I'm going to bed get the hell out of my way. Fuck I was so tired and today
1: Monday I was just like felt like I was hungover, and it wasn't like we went absolutely nuts just Mm -hmm. the excitement and it was freaking
0: exciting it was really exciting and it was also frigid it was down freezing it was sub-zero temperatures which just takes a lot out of you mm-hmm. you know and it's it's not like it's insurmountable but we had people yeah every single bar nightclub any sort of social establishment had either a line a wait list or whatever cover. <laughs> a cover and so, if you're caught outside or you're caught off guard, I mean that's that's no fun when it's two degrees out, which two with feels like feels, negative 12. Yeah, feels like negative 14 with the windshield, and you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's pretty real, folks. Welcome to Minnesota. Yeah. Well, so what was uh, just kind of some highlights for you? I know we did a lot of different stuff. Certainly some highlights was leaving before Snoop Dogg got to a party. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Nice Uh, move. Yeah, super big move on my part. I was just like, you know what? I don't want to have a great story to tell everybody, so I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Let's get out of here. So I went to a party on Thursday night after a – after a fundraiser and I, I saw peyton manning and tony dungy speak and tony line up. yeah tony dungy is sort of like what gandhi would be if gandhi was a football coach he <laughs> looks guy, i mean he looks like he looks exactly like him I, I i could see it and he said absolutely nothing Negative. Incriminating. Incriminating for his entire speech. He was only positive and supportive and appreciative and grounded and like caring. And it was mm-hmm. really, it was really impressive. And the guys that were there supporting him were Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday and some other guy that I can't recall. But Peyton Manning introduced him. And Peyton is exactly like you would think he would be based on his personality in the commercials. So what I think has happened is that the people who sponsor Peyton Manning just know him so well that they put him in situations where he's just going to be himself. Mm-hmm. So he is a little bit cheeky. He is a little bit, you know, he's he's like going to throw a little bit of a jab here and there, but he's ultimately a really nice like person who means well.
1: Yeah, he just likes to be funny. Yeah,
0: he likes to be funny. And um, so that was... That was inter- that was interesting, and then we went to this party and uh, had had some beverages, and invited my girlfriend out with us because I didn't have enough tickets. But then I just got to be too tired, and we left. And found out later that Snoop Dogg and his entourage came and basically just hung out in the place. And I'm not saying that Snoop and I would have been at the bar, you know, Snoopin' a Loopin'. Yeah, Snoopin' Lupin. and Dupin or whatever he does. But that was that would have been sort of interesting. There, you know, there, the there were there were plenty of celebrity sightings. So the other highlight has to be, uh, I don't know if it was that night or the next night. That I think it was the subsequent night. We went out to uh, one of the establishments, one of our favorite joints, and we got there about nine o'clock or nine thirty. And we on a Saturday early. Yep, and there. Was I believe there was a line on the other side, but we went in the back door, or was it not? Was it not <laughs> no, there was no was There was no line. There was no line. So there was no line, and we get there about nine fifteen, and then the place just really started to fill up fast. It Ripped. Yeah. And about ten fifteen minutes later, they're at capacity, and a line starts forming outside. And it, it, but they did a really fantastic job of keeping it such that. It was under capacity. Mm -hmm. And there was actually inspectors from the Minneapolis Police Department that came in and counted everybody in the bar. So somebody had, had tipped them off that that was going to be certainly a thing because they followed their policy to a tee. Oh yeah, they were one in, one out type thing. Yeah, which was really great because then When that, you're in. Yeah. yeah, Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was really comfortable. It wasn't like mushy and hot. And which that, that place
1: usually can
0: get just jammed. Oh, it can get move. terrible. Uh, another highlight was seeing some Philadelphia fans who were a little bit they're having a good time and I don't blame them. They're in a new city or whatever. But uh, there were some less than classy moments that happened. And you know, it, 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 was, it was all in good fun and it wasn't like ill will, but it was really interesting to watch the contrast between the Philadelphia fans and the Patriot fans. And I will say, saw a lot of classy Patriot fans, saw some classy Eagles fans. Not as fans, many. Not as many. Just straight up.
1: Yeah, they all—they also were more actively negative, and were just—I just felt them trying to start something a lot. There, um, there was more a hell I of a lot. Yeah, more hell, than
0: I'm used to. Hell of a lot of like. I did you know let's do this sort like of a I, little step tuning it, it's like are yeah. you serious yeah you're like really come on I mean you 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 want to actually do this right now you want to fight <laughs> you know great so, cool yeah awesome let's you, you want to go to jail let's be angry <laughs> yeah. together now yeah. let's take your anger
1: and pass it on to everybody else around you yeah
0: that's my form of being a man yeah. being angry yeah
1: you're a football fan
0: aren't you there there was a lot of drinking which obviously you would expect drinking in NFL would, football goes hand I would in hand. be so
1: I will, I honestly wouldn't even know what I would do if I if the Vikings went to the Super Bowl I could see excitement being almost too much to handle
0: and you could certainly feel that excitement in the city
1: oh my gosh I was joking around that the excitement was intoxicating starting yeah. on Thursday it really was like and we both live in the city mm-hmm. and you could there was a distinct calm before the storm on wednesday and it yeah, was calm i definitely felt like, that on wednesday it was much calmer, calm.
0: and then everything and started then thursday
1: rampant. it just started a rocket yeah like hotels and really nice restaurants to shut down and then all of a sudden they just start jamming there just was tables and parties and yeah. concerts and Famous people were walking around all
0: over the place, and like everybody was excited. Tons of celebrity sightings. Oh my gosh, they're all over. The other highlight had to be uh, seeing Brian McKinney, who used to play for the uh, Giant. Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just a massive guy, and that was pretty interesting. And then, I'll, of course, we've got to say, Flo Rida. Florida. 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 Mr. Florida. Yeah, uh, he... Uh, he happened across our party. Yeah, and he he does wear those sunglasses everywhere. Yeah, it was, just if uh, you were wondering. it was about 1030, and he had this this these star shades on. Well, and we walked by him
1: earlier in the night, had no idea it was mm-hmm. him. I remember being like, what's going on over there?
0: And then all of a sudden, like, they shut off the area we were going up into, and... yeah. There was uh, there was a distinct smell of cannabis wafting. <laughs> they had a huge from, bag too. from that general like direction, a, a duffel bag. Duffel, a duffel bag. Just walk around with the duffel bag. I'm sure it was full of yeah, great stuff. Night, you know, it was probably like extra socks. It was probably an overnight. <laughs> it bag. It was an overnight bag for
1: sure. Contact you solution. Staying over at <laughs> McKinney's place. I got to bring my overnight
0: bag. Extra pair my of glasses underwear. Like, glasses are in there. Glasses case. Pyjamas. His glasses, case. Pajamas, glasses case. case is as big as a shoebox. So I'm
1: sure it is. He's got, he's got probably six glass pairs of glasses in there, the
0: same ones. Yeah, yeah. Extra yeah, so, extra hair binders, you know, oh, all, all, of, the, all, all the all of the all of the, good all the little stuff. things that you yeah, need, lotion, a, yeah,
1: everything yeah. you need. Shampoo because you don't use anybody else's body soap, sort of body wash, a little toothbrush, little, a little travel,
0: travelable toothpaste, everything, chargers, just six of them. Yeah. Your tackle box of chargers, your tackle box of cord organizers, <laughs> your, your tackle box
1: organizing all of your chargers and random electronic needs. Uh, yeah, if you ever need a HDMI cable or anything, just in case Boom. you gonna, yeah, you who knows when you when you want to stream something from your. Your computer to a random TV
0: who knows I don't know you could go you on a he was probably preparing to go back to the hotel and watch YouTube videos with his buddies
1: YouTube or Netflix, anything Netflix. he probably had his fire stick in there just ready to pop it in and you know watch the room or oh, or uh, the the movie push based on the book by Sapphire so I'm sure he had that in there yeah probably having the Super Bowl is a really exciting thing for the city I uh, we I did uh, some of the events that were going on. Like we went to the Nicollet mall thing and just saw shitloads
0: loads of people. Tons of people. So there was like a some Chinese songs. rap artist, I'm not Ooh, really sure. Killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. One of his songs, I gotta say it, the only, it was in English, and the only word he rhymed were words that ended in AR. Yes. Car, bar.
1: He, know, was I mean, very, like
0: he was very... His lyricist was on entry level. He was quite a bit better in Mandarin. (laughs) Yeah, entry level. He had
1: some sick beats, though, and it was fun to watch. I mean, it's really just the event. I've never seen as many helicopters in my whole entire life. Tons of helicopters, a lot of flyovers. Six at one time. It was crazy. So all in all, I mean, I think it's fun. I would like to go to a Super Bowl City again. It was nice to live here, so we didn't really have to spend extra money and do things. I mean,
0: yeah, we had a, a friend of ours purchase a ticket uh, basically when it was most expensive, Four, <sighs> right before, four grand apiece, right
1: before the go I haven't heard how it was,
0: so I get it yeah on that. And but. then the ticket prices dropped considerably. So right before the game, you could get one for two thousand three hundred dollars if you wanted. Yeah. Now it probably wasn't the best seat in the house, but. Uh, you was in there, there. But
1: th- this year they had all these re- these ton these concerts, so they had all the concerts before the game. Like they called them the tailgate party, and they had like Darius Rucker, Sting. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants wants to watch Sting before a football game.
0: Nothing <laughs> gets you in the
1: mood like a little like a little Sting, yeah, A little Sting and Darius Rucker. So, so
0: well, the I I Timberlake caught a lot of flack in the media for the for the halftime show. Did you have you been catching that i haven't so i I don't know there's just a lot of people who were extremely critical of his halftime show unimpressed yeah i'm very unimpressed and i i thought it was entertaining
1: i mean if you have severe add it would have been really good because i know he (laughs) switched songs like every 30 seconds
0: yeah it was varietous at best Mm -hmm. Um, but as the reddit post you know, called it the true hero of the Super Bowl was the Stranger Things dude with the Tide ad. Oh, just absolutely crushed. Murdered it. Murdered that ad. Those guys
1: uh, did their homework. Well, they had the one. Tide pods thing they had to just blast away, so they, they sure had to did. spend
0: some extra marketing dollars. Yeah, that's that's been a little bit of a doozy.
1: Yeah, it's that. I thought that ad was super clever the way they involved their different brands. Yeah, you know, they have multiple brands that are owned by Tide. It as a great. company, it just, just all in all, that's just quality mm-hmm. advertising right there.
0: Yeah, I thought there was uh, a couple of years ago. Oh, well, one we had the luxury of watching the Super Bowl with somebody who writes copy at a... Major advertising. Major firm. ad, tier one sort of ad, ad agency. And uh, she had some really interesting feedback. One in particular was the which i was sort of oblivious to but knew that something was off it was the t-mobile commercial with the babies yeah. where they filmed a bunch of different colored babies and were like oh we believe everybody is the same and should have the same wages and you know there shouldn't be any racism and everybody's an equal and then at the end it was like boom t-mobile logo and i asked her like you know what do you think about that she's like mad basically. she was Bad. super pissed off and i did see a another blogger comment about that post about that ad and be like you know very frustrated with the fact that her uh, our friend's words were you're taking credit for like being a good human like you shouldn't have to tie your brand to being a good human being because that should just already be inherent to everything that you do with the organization. If you have to tell everybody that, like, hey, we're supporting it, you're, like, getting on the bandwagon of political support for, like, the ideas of, ide- for, like, the political idealism.
1: Without, in her, her, I mean, I remember this, this is a fascinating conversation. She said, instead of actually supporting it with money and volunteerism, they just claim they just would, they just had an ad Boom,
0: slapped took credit it. for it. And then I asked about the Stella Artois thing, if that and the water.org made the same impact on her because they had this advertisement about like Stella Artois and, you know, a portion of every whatever goes to water sort of preservation or conservation. Yeah, in and addition then, to how much you pee after you drink their beer. Yeah uh and she was like no that's okay because they actually do donate so they're advertising about like something that they do they're not just like using the idea and saying our brand believes this which i thought that was a really interesting distinction
1: it was and i think it's it's super it's it's really goes to kind of i think what we bitch about and talk a lot about it's Taking credit and being these keyboard warriors instead of actually going out in the world and changing it. Yeah. Like you can write a blog post, you can do all this stuff and film stuff about helping, but until you, you know, help and donate money and put volunteer hours, you're not actually doing anything. You're Mm -hmm. just hopping on the bandwagon and, you know, circling your lasso
0: around like you're helping. Well, if there is anything that millennials have learned to be you know people talk about how millennials are like fickle very prone to change Uh, I I think that's an asset in some regards Mm -hmm. but it does make us really susceptible to like blindly following stuff and really dumb bandwagon support for ideas that are bad they're terrible yeah bad ideas without doing a lot of research um,
1: and And, and and hopping on for a reason that you think uh, that you just Assume you're assuming somebody else is doing the work instead of yourself, so you hop on something that you may think is important because it's socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. I think a good, I think a really interesting thing is the uh, Jordan Peterson. So, the rise of Jordan Peterson, who um, is that Canadian. Um, I think I sent you a couple of his stuff. He just wrote a book, and he what really got him popular is a journalist just peppered him with these ridiculous questions very liberal journalists and he is from toronto and really argues against the government punishing the um pronouns so he's way against somebody because you claim to be you know whatever you want to be called he said because i don't know that you can't punish me for the beginning and so Jordan Peterson has rocketed in views, and he's all over the news now. And I think
0: his well, so the so the background is like some people have preferred pronouns, and it's really interesting because I used to see these at the University of Minnesota. So it's like in their signature. Basically. It's in their signature. Preferred pronouns are like he, him, his. Batman and boy, Superman. Batman and Superman, or you know, and so this guy's sort of. He's in academia. Is that if I walk up to somebody who looks like a female and I say, "Hey, what is she doing?" And you know that female self-identifies as a male for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, I shouldn't be punished for that. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right? That's exactly right.
1: And he doesn't, he doesn't disagree with the right that she has to be yeah. called whatever she has. That's not what he claims. Mm-hmm. He claims that it's not his responsibility. One hundred percent. To he his big one of his larger claims is, I don't. You don't. You need to earn my respect. Yeah. You don't just get it. And there's a level of respect you get from everybody, but it's not just completely handed over where you can bombard me with, like, these claims about... Well, it's it's just really being entitled. And that's exactly what he said, is it, it's the pendulum is swinging so far over. And the reason why i kind of circling back to our conversation is his rise in popularity, I think the social justice and a lot of these things are starting to fall a little bit more on deaf ears, and people like a lot of outside dogs are getting frustrated with oh, certainly. what... Is coming out and the way people expect to be treated, um, and a lot of the things, you know, just a lot of the, a lot of the social media bullshit, basically. Well,
0: I think there is a there, this is going to be a downfall of a lot of these social justice movements, and a good example is somebody like Matt Damon who gets ostracized for saying that there's a difference between rape and slapping somebody on the butt. I mean that's a pretty safe comment if you ask me, but in the oh, hyper, in the hyper, li- hyper liberal environment we live on in social media, that it's it's amazing that somebody could catch so much flack for that. And I, I wanted to reference Bill Maher did a pretty amazing monologue on this, in the um, probably at the end of January. I can't remember which episode it was, but he is a staunch liberal and he was condemning the liberal party saying like we have to rise up and point the finger at ourselves to stop this crusading so we stop like killing people like al- yeah so we stop killing people like al franken in the wake of trying to be these one side you know the the perfect idealist be all most liberal progressive person and he was like, you know, Al Franken shouldn't have the, He is an unfortunate casualty of this crusading. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that the Democratic Party is going to be weaker because of that movement.
1: Exactly. As I mean, much they, as, lose,
0: they lose a seat, and now they have to give it up for re-election. I understand that Democrats have won a lot of seats since Trump's election, you know. Mm-hmm. They, so, But bottom line is, it's- uh,
1: It impacts everybody and it when it's
0: unreasonable,
1: unreasonable will fight back versus reason and then you can't control anything, Yeah. then logic or what is right doesn't prevail. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever the hot topic is and whoever gets caught in the crossfire, which is a dangerous game when you have lots of resources and you have people with tons of money. I mean, it's, a,
0: it's not, well, and, good won't win in that case. And this gets back to this a message, which is if an individual was actively listening it would be different than launching on your emotional reaction. And today, the emotional reactions uh, oftentimes get so much celebration in in the media space or social media space that it's it's going to be really tough for uh, folks to discern what's a well-developed opinion if they don't have that sort of moment of pause and consideration. If it's the blind band bandwagonness. I mean that'll that'll really hurt our generation as we get older. It really will. And the whole like I think one of the
1: things is that's really important is education and in learning. And if we start to create the these two different courts, which is I think what Jordan Peterson talks a lot about,
0: we are really in for a difficult Period. Oh, the the struggle between individuals who have been grown, who have grown up, you know, on these two different trajectories. You and I are talking about like a little bit of the rub of the sandpaper between these two groups. Imagine the trajectory going full out in these directions, and like kids being fully raised and indoctrinated into this stuff. I mean, this is new. Mm-hmm. This is pretty new. Like, equality is not new. No. Yeah, it's been around forever. But we're not actually talking about equality. We're talking about like sort of progressive liberal idealism. Yes. And and how does that how does that idealism hit the road when the world is not ideal? It's not black and white. The world's gray. Super gray. Super and the, gray. In in the simplification
1: we always talk about is the that does, that is. Not getting at the root of the issue, it is allowing all of the logic to prevail, and that's what happens when you get these idealists, and mm-hmm. it becomes then about the arguments and not about like how do we get to a solution.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the 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 pointing fingers is what I cannot handle. I really, uh, one of my favorite quotes is the greatest challenge of humankind is not in their ability to reinvent each other but in their ability to reinvent or i believe it is the greatest power of humans is not in their ability to reinvent others but in their ability to reinvent themselves Mm -hmm. and i always come back to that whenever anybody like points the finger about like you're not this enough you know you're Mm -hmm. not progressive enough you're not liberal enough you're not conservative enough you're not anything enough i'm always just you know uh, what gives you the right what gives you the right and i had a really fascinating conversation with a uh with three extreme christians actually Mm -hmm. and um I was kind of in the middle of my yoga teacher training at this point, so I was really practiced in not getting emotional. (laughs) And um, I was cornered in a room by very close friends of mine, uh, one of whom is going to be uh, a a religious figure in some regard. And, And they just kept on shaking their finger at me saying, you are going to die and burn in hell unless you repent when, and admit Jesus Christ is your only lord and savior and and i was literally like trying to embody christ's acceptance of their opinion in this mm-hmm. and one of their guys who was on the other side saw this all happening mm-hmm. and i could see him witnessing how These other people were literally persecuting me no they for sure were for not being a christ follower and that that's not i don't think that's the message of christ is to persecute (laughs) others who don't follow me (laughs) (laughs) i I think that's kind of why he was killed by you know killed by the romans i think that was oh yeah that's something to do with it Uh, Uh, just a little bit uh, but it, it was really fascinating because I was like, wow, you know, I think, I think we're missing the point Wait, here. What's the message here? What is the what message? What is the message that we're
1: all trying to solve? I don't know. And, well, I mean, everybody can have their own opinions on this, but wh- I, I think people have the ability to feel that in themselves.
0: Have the ability to know and feel what is right mm-hmm. and when they are wrong. Well, and and the interesting part about this discussion was the the guy who was, you know, watching this dichotomy unfold was witnessing the people who were reacting out of emotional, out of, you know, their... Fear. Yeah, really out of fear. And it was an interesting place because they were like, I'm afraid you're going to die and burn in hell. So I'm trying to save your soul. Mm -hmm. But it didn't feel like a genuine I'm walking with you it really felt like I'm on the other side pointing at you how you're wrong Mm -hmm. and that's just never gonna work in any regard in any arena
1: yeah if I become further in my belief if
0: I can get more people to join my tribe yeah yeah and 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 the the interesting thing is when you're doing that for the self-serving reason that's when everything falls apart doesn't work because then you are subscribing to the ideals and you don't let the ideals take the weight for themselves you're really not a messenger at this point you no, you've
1: become you've become
0: uh,
1: the anti everything you're you're not trying to yeah, do or you're yeah. preaching not to do which is unfortunate mm-hmm. and I think it goes back to intent what is the intent behind this motion or this act if you are doing it from a place of gratitude and a place of care that comes from a really good place maybe they would approach you differently or it would come off to you differently and the intent comes from fear and those things that we were talking about so Mm -hmm. you know and that there's probably a number of ways to look at it but i think that's one of the things that's that's driving
0: a lot of this certainly is and uh the way you can not be afraid is by wearing a pair of just brown underwear www.justbrownunderwear.com it's what the outside dogs wear
1: wear some jbus see what happens
0: start howling at the moon and uh tune in next week we'll catch you back here in the Roman's room